0: Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Sam, and with me is my co host, Tessa. Hello. Today is a very special episode. We're talking about the pitchfork 200 best albums of the last 25 years with friends of the pod, Jarrett and Lazzie. Now, To make this transatlantic discussion of peculiar Pitchforkian platitudes possible, Tessa and I recorded this episode in two parts. First, we talked with Jarrett, who told us his thoughts on Frank Ocean and Sufjan Stevens, while I discussed Tame Impala, Kendrick Lamar, and The Strokes. In the second part of this episode, Lazi gave us his impressions of Fiona Apple's latest Fetch the Bolt Cutters, Mad Villain's Mad Villainy, and... The Neutral Milk Hotel you've seen the album cover of, Everywhere. And Tessa finally listened to the kings of androids and depression, Radiohead. Hey,
1: Jarrett, how are you today? I'm fine. (laughs) I I prepared a lot for this. I didn't prepare to talk about myself, so... (laughs) Okay, well...
0: I'll talk about you instead. So, (laughs) back when this list came out, uh, we talked about it on uh, the... We talked about it with Andy a little bit, the three of us. I had some things to say about it. It was because of something else I was talking about that week. I don't even remember. But I knew I wanted to come back to it. And when I started planning the episode, Andy said, no. (laughs) And so...
2: (laughs) I also want to say that I'm the one who actually discovered this list and I think yeah. we were on like a road trip or a long car ride and I just spent like 30 minutes like reading every album So that must on have been around Thanksgiving. Outs- yeah, it was out. La- yeah, it was. Because that's the only road trip we've taken yeah, in the last years. Yeah, we were going years. up to Thanksgiving <laughs> and I was reading every album off this list to Sam and Sam was just making like more and more horrified noises as the as the it's, list went on, it's not
0: great. So, so that's
2: that's the origin story of how this list came into our lives, <laughs> right?
0: And so, I, I mean, thinking about the three of them or the three of us, sorry, especially with Tessa and Andy, I needed somebody. <laughs> I needed somebody with a more. Uh, I I don't know what the thing to say is that doesn't sound mean, but Jarrett, I needed you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, when, when Andy bowed out, that's when I grabbed Lossie too. So I think instead of, instead of me getting reinforcements, I think Tessa is now like that. Hey guys. So what were your initial thoughts of the list when you looked at it the first time?
1: I kind of wish I had taken a little more time to think about what I expected before I looked at the link you'd sent me. (laughs) I guess for whatever reason if I knew this was a thing, I didn't look at it at the time. I don't check in with Pitchfork the way I used to say a decade ago or even 5 years ago. But I think, you know, I I could have predicted a lot of this. I think I don't know the exact process of how this came about, like how they did the surveys, how they asked the question or how many albums everyone was allowed to submit, things like that
0: yeah i I wish there was a little bit of insight on that underneath the list uh at the main link, they have a little bit of demographic information, so you get start to get a better idea of some of the questions they asked, but especially what you said about how many albums are you selecting? Is there a list you know all that kind of stuff that's that's a more interesting thing, and I guess I should just say up front too. Talking about this list today, let's acknowledge that this is a crowdsourced, this is a, a list that has been, it's not a curated list in that way, it's it's a list that has been compiled, you know, trying to look at it and go, this is a terrible list, whoever did this was wrong, <laughs> really
1: isn't valid. Well, like, did they even do anything to um, filter out bots? Well, that's a good question. And to
0: me, the value of the list, which even takes that into account, is to say, if you were tasked with coming up with a list like this yourself, (laughs) and it wasn't, you know, because that's the thing, it's very subjective, right? If you were trying to be as objective as possible, and I said, well, here's this list, maybe you would find this helpful. In, in, you know, a baseline and you can move things up, move things down, take things out, put things in. Coming at the list from that perspective, I think, is really the discussion that we're going to have today. It's still a bad list, no matter how you look <laughs> at it, if you ask me. But I'm not going to say it's an invalid list, because how could it be? Unless, as you say, bots have invaded it. I do but. think
1: the, the, the main value of this is the additional like metadata they presented with it, which I think we might get into a little bit.
0: I have to ask, you put in the notes a very specific answer to one of my perspective questions. Why is Pitchfork?
1: To me, peak Pitchfork as cultural influencer slash reflection of the culture is... The short-lived sketch show Human Giant, which was on MTV slash MTV2, I don't know where it actually aired. They did a sketch where they were publicist for Tapes and Tapes, which is also like, Tapes and Tapes is a peak example of like, outside of their cred on Pitchfork, they did did not exist and I don't think really exists on the internet anymore I'm sure someone still listens to that album every once in a while but I couldn't tell you what happened to them but they're on that show and like they say something in the sketch about like you didn't even get best new music on pitchfork mm.
2: uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm remembering that correctly but that's that's I, like <laughs> to be mentioned in a sketch show on uh, an MTV show that's on MTV, I guess is like, I'm sure there's other heights of their popularity or whatever, but.
0: Jared this week is the one making a reference to a television show that he thinks he got right. That was me last week.
2: <laughs> I mean, I am the resident millennial of this particular episode, which is so weird because not, not elder,
0: not baby, just
2: millennial, right in I'm the middle right down the middle millennial. But I have to say, I am not as familiar with Pitchfork as an entity, and based on this list, I'm going to say... I mean, they even give you the demographics. I feel like this is right. a a yeah. publication, perhaps, that's aimed at readers that are a little older than I am, mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit more male than I am. <laughs> Very but- much so.
1: <laughs> Judging by well. how much the list coincides with what men voted on when they, you do the demographic... Yeah. Uh, Breakdown yes this is a publication that's mainly read by men Um, and I going by just how they broke it down I'm in the 35 to 44 demographic
0: yeah I would say the best way to explain pitchfork to the person most likely to not be reading it is to say you know that lyric and we're never getting back together when she says you
2: hide away with some indie record that's much cooler than mine?
0: If that was a music magazine, <laughs> if that was a music publication, it's Pitchfork.
1: Like that's that's what it is. If Urban Outfitters were a uh, if that were a music <laughs> website, Pitchfork is the kind of thing that maybe started as a zine, but I don't think it did. I think it started as a blog, but I don't know. Right. It
2: feels like it it has those vibes
0: so I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about pitchfork as an institution and talk about the put to get putting together of this list and maybe some things that weren't put on the list but uh, the the monkey business if you will of this episode <laughs> is that album on is <laughs> is Jarrett, you listened to three albums that you were less familiar with up there in the top 25 i did as so well two and a half <laughs> uh later on hit, yeah <laughs> later on today uh tessa and Lazzie will talk about albums that they have not had much familiarity with either but what do you got for us today Jarrett?
1: okay so the two frank ocean albums are in the top 25
0: see i always think the There are four albums in my head, but then I remember there's actually only two because Nostalgia Ultra and Endless aren't official.
1: Yeah. And that's something I always run into also when I'm making my lists and stuff is like, I'll put like an EP on a best of whatever year personal list. Most people and publications don't do that. But like, one of my top five all time albums is technically a mixtape. And I don't really think about that that much until I go to try to find something on Spotify and maybe it's not, maybe it's not there for that reason, but then sometimes it is.
0: Yeah. Nostalgia Ultra, that, that first album or mixtape is great. It's got swim good, which I swear I heard a reference to when I was listening to Pimp a Butterfly earlier, but I also really love, uh, the, where he does verses over Hotel California and uh, Strawberry Swing, I guess that's uh, those are really. I good. guess
1: especially for hip hop artists and any artist that's doing a lot of sampling, the difference between a mixtape and a album is you don't have to clear samples. <laughs> yeah, you won't get sued. Because
0: <laughs> yeah, those two songs are just played underneath. Like he just, it's great, it's magical. But Channel Orange. I should ask you, do you want to talk about
1: Channel Orange or Blonde first? You know, I I, I maybe we should start with maybe you tell me why I'm wrong about these two albums and okay. how they should is be. Is that is that what you <laughs> would like? I don't know how they should be. So, um, okay. Ordered or or whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, okay. Did you ever listen to Bon Iver's third album? That looks like it could... The title of which
1: could be Elon Musk and Grimes's kid. Is that the one that's like 22 it's a million, 22 whatever. a million? Yeah, something. I've listened to that a few times. The way I think about Blonde...
0: I almost said Endless. But the way I think... Those two albums got released at the same time. Okay. Uh, the way I think about that jump, the jump between Channel Orange and Blonde and Endless is the jump that happened uh, after the first two Bony Bear albums and then 22 a million. I don't like 22 a million because I don't, the voice manipulation just bothers me. I'm, I'm not against voice being used as an instrument. I think that is one of the many, many, many things that Kanye West does well, which is really, I think that explains a lot about their relationship, Justin Vernon and um, Kanye West. Yes. But I just, I think the things that I really liked about Frank Ocean went away in many ways. And there are still a lot of great things there, but they're not the things that I liked. And that's the inherent subjective opinion, where I think that Channel Orange is a very listenable album. This is the same knock I have against Kid A and some other albums. I don't like noise. I like music. That sounded bad, but, and those two things are very, uh, flexible things, but channel orange has a, just thinking about you is a a killer single. That is a song that was written. And that is like, that's a single right there. It has pyramids, which is great. It's just like a nine minute, three part song. And it's like, you did a lot there friend and then um bad religion which is i think probably the best song on channel orange even though i like pyramids so much bad religion is the coming out song where uh you know his big thing was you know it was like frank ocean comes out as bisexual and it's just that would be one thing but just the way that he treats it the way that he compares having uh queer feelings as either sacrilegious or the height of religiosity bringing in um, you know, the, the Islamic refrain into that. And uh, you know, it's like three minutes long and it covers so much ground. I, and I just don't get any of that from blonde Um, around the same time he did a, a, a version of moon river that is all voice manipulation. And I like that. But there's no way I'm going to like an album of it as much as
1: I like what he was doing on Channel Orange. So there you go. Play off of that. (laughs) So I laughed when you said that you like, um, did you say you like music, not noise? However you phrase that.
0: And that's very mean. I would like to remind everyone this is a judgment-free podcast. (laughs) And the thing about it is, if if you like your art noise or if you like your music noise, that's great for you. I have no problems with that. At all, I've seen Radiohead live. By the way, when they do the noise live and there are strobe lights
1: going on, it's cool. So I I laugh for two reasons because as a musician, I think a lot of what I do would be categorized more as that. Even like in the if I'm doing it in the context of a more like what most people might consider a more standard rock band, and then also that in honor of talking about this list, I'm wearing a bootleg Sophie um shirt that says yeah. it's okay to cry and yeah. i think that we can paraphrase that to say it's okay to disagree <laughs> for for talking yes. so about like music also be on the lot, list
2: a yeah. lot of disagreements on this podcast but that's okay the whole point of these lists is that they're subjective
0: yeah and i mean we're definitely going to talk about this when we talk about pop <laughs>
1: uh, uh. the charlie xcx album or the genre
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, the well, <laughs> I think they're both problematic in relation to this list.
1: One of the questions I had in my notes for the Frank Ocean section, I think, relates to this. If if I can try to loop in all, all of my thoughts yeah. about the things you were saying <laughs> with the, this question that relates to something you guys talked about uh three months ago or so on the podcast, which is. Is Frank Ocean Vaporwave? That was a great note. So my two details for this is number one, Channel Orange. I believe that sound is loading up. Is uh, is it a N sixty four cartridge? I don't. I don't know what that sound effect is, but it's loading up some kind I of. I thought it was a cassette. I thought that too, but then there's a there's like a startup tone that i didn't recognize oh
0: no you're right and you're at right. first i
1: thought oh is he using the power glove sample from the wizard i'm like that's not the right generation at all but that is my frame of reference <laughs> good for
0: you for bringing that ages that up, me though. a
1: little bit and i've heard that sample used oh wait jenny lewis isn't on this right? list
2: either <laughs> i was gonna bring that up she's on, Damn my, it. She's on my list this list is terrible <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. um <laughs> So I, I don't know if it's the N64 startup sound or if it's a Sega Genesis, or I don't know what it is. My favorite explanation of what is Vaporwave ever is that it's shoegaze for people who owned an N64. and <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shoegaze. Oh,
2: man. We should have had you on that
1: episode.
0: <laughs> that was I talked about shoegaze on that episode. Where were you?
2: I was
1: listening to it being like, did someone say <laughs> But And then the other thing is that, so I think part of the reason I like blonde so much is that it uses a lot of, and I don't know if it's still trendy, but especially at the time, it was like peak trend of what is referred to in the last decade or so as lo-fi. Now, 20 years ago, lo-fi meant something else, like guided by voices or john spencer blues explosion like lo-fi meant you were recording into a four channel you know tape recorder or something like that but now it means that you make it sound old which a lot of times for the generation of people making a lot of influential music right now means it sounds like it was dubbed onto a cassette or or And I think this is more relevant for Frank Ocean because he's put out content on this format and he was one of the first big artists to do it, is that it sounds like something that was dubbed onto VHS. Blonde has a lot of guitar on it, but almost all of it is either with the use of pedals or in post-production with other effects. They put um, vibrato on it, they put filters on it, they put reverb on it, they put delay on it, all those things, those are all pretty like standard guitar effects. But when you use certain settings with them or, or whatever, certain plugins, the effect that it has is that it makes things sound a little draggy, a little less high fidelity. And there's a lot of other stuff, yeah. like like there's a lot of keyboard samples and other samples, they do the same thing too. And it accomplishes two things one it, it gives the album a certain overall cohesion that i don't think channel orange has even though i like all those songs you mentioned i also think lost is as younger people would say yeah. a bop um <laughs> yeah it it also makes his voice stand out even more because they don't put a lot of noticeable effects on his voice other than at specific moments, whereas the music itself almost always has effects like that on it. His voice, they, sometimes it is very affected, but other times it is not. And just to my, for my personal taste, it works better. And I also feel like, you know, you were talking a little bit about some of the cultural significance of Channel Orange. Blonde, I feel like, is interesting as the album that is right on the edge of the top five, whereas number five is one of the albums you're going to talk about, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. These two albums both have a lot of overt references to Black Lives Matter, racist violence, you know, things like that in general, and that also, to me makes it stand out among a lot of albums that to me are just like mediocre. (laughs) And I don't mean in his catalog. I mean like on this list.
0: Well, right. Well, even my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, which I, I, I told Tessa, if you put, I don't like kid a, I'll just come out and say that. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Um, But if you told me that OK Computer or My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy were at the top of a best album of the last 25 year list, I'd be like, well, OK, there's nothing you could do to convince me on the merits that there is any objective better album than those two. There are plenty I like better, you know, but but Kanye on, on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is a little is definitely more removed from some of those issues than from Kendrick Lamar and uh, Frank Ocean. I can definitely see that, what you're saying.
2: Someone like Childish Gambino is also not on this list, and he has a couple of really great albums. I don't know if he deserves to be in the top 25, but he's not on the list as well, and he deals with a lot of those issues. I I did think
1: about that, too. I I was just going to say about Kanye is is he's not removed from them. He just deals with them and connects with them in a very different way. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah. So, is Frank Ocean Vaporwave? Yeah, int-
2: <laughs>
1: well, you know,
0: I I mean, the answer I it's got to be yes, at least on um Endless and Blonde. Endless was if if you're listening to this and you haven't heard that it was released as like okay, so if you're a little bit older than Tessa, you'll probably remember uh, like Q Magazine, and um, there's just a genre of magazine that always came with like a mixtape. Yeah, or CMJ a mix CD. I should do say. That. That's it. That's the one. And so um, when Blonde was released, he also released something kind of like a hybrid between a zine and... One of those magazines and attached to it, glued to the front, just like it would be, was another album. And it got uploaded very, very quickly on the internet, which is pretty much the only way normals could listen to it. Um, unless you lived in a big city, right? And we're lucky enough to find the the publication. He's doing very similar things on, on both albums, but I definitely think that makes it vaporwave. Although I'll tell you, somebody growing up listening to uh fm radio in a car a tape player albums that if my dad owned them they sounded good if my mom owned them good luck my dad also had reel-to-reel stuff recorded listening to all that on different pieces of equipment always trying to get the best sound chasing fidelity right and then finally in a day and age where there's enough for my ears like, I could keep buying better equipment, but my ears are not going to process it any better, thanks to blowing them out to trying to find the good stuff back when I was a kid. Now you're going to start doing stuff to make it sound like it used to? Dude, we just got here. <laughs> I'd like to hear it. But that does very much make it wave Are you seeing this, Tessa? Come on.
2: <laughs> oh, we're doing a cat?
0: Yep. I like the whisker filter, though. That was fun. That was fun show.
2: Your cat has opinions about the Top 25 pitchfork.
0: That was
1: great.
2: He's like, and now to that. talk about Sufwan Stevens. Well, okay. He
1: really likes Meow the Jewels. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Kitty the Perry. Little Bub did release an album, so. Yeah. So I listened to,
0: obviously when Tessa was listening to Kid A, I listened to it again. It's the second time I listened to it over the past couple of weeks. I also listened to Yankee Foxtrot Hotel, another album I don't like. Now, as far as experimental noisy albums, let's talk about the Tame Impala album that sits at number 25, Currents, which is the pop version of a noisy album. Okay. <laughs> I think. Like, And in fact, in fact, if you look at the Pitchfork review... They compare this album to Yankee Foxtrot Hotel and Kid A. And I'm like, okay, if you're making that comparison, this is the best one. This is the best experimenting with a genre, bringing in different sounds and ideas. But that album works for me. I really enjoyed Currents. I'm not somebody who's familiar with Tame Impala.
1: I wonder how much of that is that he... You know, it's just think. I think about this a lot. Like Tessa put in the notes that the the Lord album melodrama deserved to be in the top twenty five, and that's a, I think a good example of what I'm thinking of. Is just like her voice just doesn't do anything for me. It does not work for me at all, and I wonder if that's if that's part of the Tame Impala thing for you, because you know it's a very different. He has a very different um, singing voice than. Tom York or uh what's his face from Wilco? I can't think of his name right now
0: yeah uh Jeff Tweedy well I was I was telling Tessa that uh Darcy Retzky recently came out about why she didn't join back up with the pumpkins and she said I hate I hate Billy Corgan he has a terrible singing voice he knows it and he takes it out on other people and I'm like well okay then (laughs) And I, I would, Drama. I well, right. I would put Tom York, Billy Corgan, and Tom Petty in a group of extremely <laughs> talented, successful musicians who just don't sing good. But that's part of it, right? I mean, Neil Young almost qualifies for that. He has a basic understanding of melody. But to that point, though, two of the songs on Currents, because I'm a man, has been covered by Haim and New Person, Same Old Mistakes is on Rihanna's Anti,
1: Hmm.
0: which is how I know both of those songs. So hearing the original version, it's like, oh, I see. It's actually still really a good song.
2: Speaking of which, Anti isn't on this list. Anti is is. on the list. Uh, In the top 25? It's much higher. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: On the top 25?
0: No, not on the top 25. It It should be. It should be. Too low.
2: Sorry. Continue. (laughs) <laughs> I just remembered about anti that's been my whole exercise. in this is me being like, Oh, I just remembered about that. Yeah, album. Okay. That should be higher.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I think every response that you've had so far, every, every thing you've said today, uh, Jared really underlies something that I went to college. I was in college when uh kid a came out.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: As I told Lozzi the other day, that was the, the release of, Okay, computer into kid A was like the bleeding edge of insufferable hipsterism. That's that's what I would like to think of it as.
1: I was I was one of those insufferable hipsters. <laughs> but
0: well, even if that's true, and who are we to judge? We oh, you can there. judge me. But even if, well, that's fine. <laughs> well, that's kind of the point, though. That's that's what I'm trying to say here is that that was that was the you know it was a time where your musical taste was very much weaponized in a way that was particularly vitriolic and hearing other people talk about your musical taste in that way to go back to the Taylor Swift lyric. That's why I love that song is <laughs> it's very um, it's, you know, it's hurtful because you like, you like what you like, right? When somebody says that something you like is overrated or not good and that's something that's a big part of your life it's 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 hurtful and there's and i think some of that is genuine bullery, but as much of it as anything was just we we've gotten better at learning about how to talk about music you know like yeah. i i think it's really interesting hearing uh, you know the the thoughts that you've had so far and saying well we apparently like very different kinds of music but that conversation ends up in a very different place now than it did, you know, in the late 90s. Right now it's like, well, that's cool. Neat. We both like Sophie, so we're all good here. Because uh, <laughs> we have that middle ground now. And even if we didn't, we get it. Whereas back then it was like, well, you suck. Uh,
1: you know, I think there was a little, it, depends, it varies from person to person. I think um, Oh yeah. back then, I, especially with strangers, I was much more judgmental. I, I worked <laughs> I worked at a CD store shortly after Kid A came out so that's where a lot of that <laughs> um, stuff oh, got boy. E- expressed. Oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> I feel like Pitchfork has been at least for me, I don't know about for other people has been part of that growth or at least has reflected it and I'm not sure which, which is which but um, I feel like Optimism and um,
2: I love that word. Can you explain that word to me? I'd never seen it before. You wrote it in the I notes. don't know who
1: quoted it, some music journalist, but it's generally just this idea of getting oh, you know, the exact opposite of what Sam was just expressing, which is like feeling like stuff that's popular is bad or feeling like the music that most people like is bad. Like good music is something that has to be earned or worked harder at, or it has to be a certain kind of, you know, it has to have guitar. It has to have real instruments or whatever kind of general stuff people have applied to things. And that, that pop music is not good music. Pop music is not easy to make that something that it's easy to write songs that are catchy, all this kind of bullshit that, that a lot of like, I think, boomers uh, boomer attitude about music they created that's who i'm gonna blame it on man. but gen x i mean was guilty of that a, a wow. lot too we
0: were very guilty
2: I, yes. I have to say as someone who hangs out with a lot of gen x people some of the most insufferable people i've ever met about music have been Gen yeah. X. People. it's yeah. me i It's me. I'm not saying it's anyone in this room. But it is. Or or that I've talked to online or that I've hung (laughs) out with. But just saying, like, there was a whole cultural movement, I feel like, in the 90s. And you can see this in Gen X films, too. That's very much about music being a core part of your personality.
1: I feel like the, the, like, nerdy thing that expresses this that I would recommend to people is the podcast Switched on Pop. And the, like less nerdy way it's expressed is just things like the universal appeal of Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion and Um, things like being able to go on Wikipedia and realize that this musician you like also worked with these people that you maybe don't think highly of or whatever. Like James Blake is a good example. There's a lot of like Venn diagrams of people like him on this list. Like he worked on blonde and he's worked with a lot of different artists. And then his album is also on this list. And like, he's had songs on a lot of TV shows and stuff like that. Like,
2: Yeah. And I, I think I wrote this down in the notes too, but I also have to say in regards to pop is that, and I think that you've noted some really good shifts that have happened over the last couple of years, but definitely growing up, For me as a millennial, too, there was always this thing where pop pop is girl music and pop is queer music and real people, a.k.a. men, (laughs) listen to things like Radiohead or, you know, like, I and that maybe is why and maybe that's why I didn't listen to Radiohead for a long time. But there is sort of this like pop is a women's genre, Mm. even though there are a lot of men in pop, it is very much like gendered in that way. And I'm glad that that is going away um, for a lot of people that it seems like things are becoming more that pop is becoming more recognized for what it is. But I think that that might be reflected in the composition of this list as well, considering Mm -hmm. how many of the people who voted on it are men.
0: Well, you know, Tessa knows because we've talked about it, but one of the things that's really, I think, yeah, and of course, we're in a very toxic time to talk about being trans. But but I will tell you, for me, the most significant thing as as a as a <laughs> this is also something that's very easily uh, relatable to the Wachowskis, but that's a different conversation. It's not so much putting on something you know, saying, I'm this, so I can do this, I can be this. It's getting rid of something else, Hmm. you know, and being able to say, okay, all of this, this masculine stuff that just hasn't, you know, it's like, it's like when you put on a, uh, uh, something, when you put on an article of clothing and all you can feel is the label itching at you, right? Like, that's what this is. It's like, I'm not comfortable. This is not right. I hate this. And so You know, you take any kind of pop music that I liked in the late 80s or early 90s. As a guy, I wasn't supposed to be listening to that. And so there was always like a little lot of a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And that fed into some very, you know, toxic things that happened in the late 90s. But eventually, much more quickly before I figured anything out about gender, I figured out that was wrong and I should like what I Mm. like. You know, there are no guilty pleasures. There are the things that you like to listen to. And that's the end of the story. So all that stuff about gender is is definitely, well, it's definitely true because I lived it.
2: I think part of that also comes from this idea that like when women write about things, they're women's problems. Yeah. Whereas when men write about things, they're these great universal truths that everybody goes through. Right. And so... And and then if you add any, I love this cat. This cat is you making my life right now. This
0: cat is a disruptor.
2: <laughs> this cat. This cat has opinions on on what we're talking about.
0: Cat Stevens. <laughs> cat <God>. Stevens. Sorry.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, any, not really. <laughs> If you add any modifiers to that, it Cats only becomes cradle. worse, right? Like Frank Ocean. Oh, that's that's black gay music, right? right. Or Kanye West. That's black music. You know, like uh, Janelle Monae. That's black women's music. You
0: don't have to be bisexual to like vaporwave.
2: It, right. <laughs> it helps. It's for but, everybody. But yeah, so like I think that I think we're getting better about it. But there is still kind of this sense of certain artists because of their identities get boxed into. Well, they write about these issues, and that's 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 for those people, as opposed to male white cis artists who are writing these universal truths. And you know, they're the tortured artist who gets to understand the human experience, whatever that means.
0: Right. Women can be walruses too. Goo <laughs> goo <laughs> I feel like Sufjan's like the third guest on the late night show that we keep pushing off. But I have qu- I have a question for both of you. Jarrett, have you listened to The Strokes? Have you listened to Mr. Casablanca's record?
1: Yeah, I have listened to The Strokes. It's kind of funny. Like, part of the reason I got that job at the CD store was so that everyone else that worked there could go to The Strokes concert. <laughs> what would you say is your general impression of The Strokes? Uh, listen to Marquee Moon by Television First. <laughs> That's... Yes. So one of the things you put you put in the notes was uh, just the general question of what's ranked too high, and in the notes yeah. I put the answer that one white guys iterating on seventies and eighties music, which I'm yeah. not one of those people who's like if so- something has to be original to be good. I definitely do not feel that way at all. I right. do feel like that. If for something to be great, it helps if it's original. Um, I do think This Is It is a good album. There's a lot of catchy songs. I also think the strokes are very indicative of white privilege. And (laughs) it's so appropriate that they're so high on this list. And like you just look at the white people versus black and other minorities on this list. And like, so, you, you know, you have the Strokes who are, at least some of them, their parents are record industry people. And then, and talking, it's funny, like you you go back to what we were saying about like, we have all this uh, expensive technology and like advances in, in music production. And then what we do is make it sound old. I mean, the Strokes yeah. are the a uh, personification of that, right? Like they're upper class, upper middle class white kids and they're like here's how we're going to make music is we're going to pretend that we lived on the streets in the 70s and yeah, we're <laughs> drinking quarter beers at CBGB <laughs> or whatever <laughs> like and again, like I make fun because it's easy. I get it like i don't think they're bad I, I don't like i don't think some of their other stuff is as good as some people do but mm-hmm. I, I like a lot of their songs but they wouldn't be on any kind of like list of this time period at least not very high for me
0: you know the the strokes were definitely a footage not found like in my memory like it's not there <laughs> i realized that i've heard a song or two of theirs. But my but like my my biggest Julian Casablanca's association is boombox from the Lonely Island, which is such a such a, a boombox is not a toy. Yeah, you guys,
1: that's a good one.
0: It, it It's great. Uh, but so you went backward to to television, for example. I I want to talk about it the other way, because. A lot of times we think, okay, well, the Strokes are the originators of this, which...
1: (laughs) They're not the originators of
0: anything. But if you think about where they are, they gave birth to a lot of things that came after. And so the thing about putting a list together is, are they rated too highly because without the Strokes, you wouldn't have the Arctic Monkeys or Vampire Weekend, for example? Well, that might be true. It might be. Like... You know, record execs might be more willing to let these people in the door. They'd still be bands. Nobody's saying that. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, Vampire Weekend has an album that's rated way too highly. It also has Contra, which, okay, sure. Uh, The Vampire Weekend album, uh, their self-titled album, is sitting at number 72. Which, by the way, aside, very quickly... Number 70, Massive Attack, Mezzanine. Number 71, Solange, Seat at the Table. Number 72, Vampire Weekend, Vampire Weekend. 73, SZA, Control. 74, Weezer, Pinkerton. 75, Fleet Foxes, Helplessness Blues. Those are all in the 70s, you guys. I think about albums like that one, and then like I hear the beginning of Vampire Weekend, of that album, that very... um, I hear some of that sound on The Strokes album. I also hear a lot of Arctic Monkeys AM. Both of which I would rather listen to than this. This was so forgettable to me. But Tessa.
2: Why are you (laughs) asking me? I didn't listen to
0: this album. The the, the (laughs) question I have for you is that I wonder in that Not that people are necessarily influenced by another artist, but they exist in terms of you can go to like an amphitheater or a state, not a stadium, but like a arena and see them play. In my mind, you have the Strokes, the Hives, the Vines, all those kinds of people. And then after that, that's when I started to hear about some groups like uh, Panic at the Disco. Like, I know chronologically that's the order that things happened in. Is there any connection between that or is it just random?
2: I feel like I'm too young to answer that question because (laughs) Panic at the Disco and Fall Out Boy and that whole movement of pop punk was like when I started listening to music like on my own. That wasn't my parents listening to I th- music. I think the so- connection
1: is white privilege because panic at the disco is a band that <laughs> although I like them, they sign a contract without ever having ever played a show. I mean, right. Can you give me an example of a black person that's ever happened to like like,
2: Oh right, yeah. I mean, uh, pop, and pop punk of that time period is very white. Like, let's not. I mean, even like Paramore, which Haley Williams' dad is also yeah, like. Which a she's been up sued
0: twice by people who were right. in her band. I mean, like you know,
2: right. And I and don't get me wrong, I love Paramore and Haley Williams, and I wish that some of their albums mm-hmm. were on this list. But it, that t- particular time period of music and that particular style is very white, and actually. Uh, from what I remember of that time, again, I was a very young teenager. I I want to say that w- there was a lot of, I, I don't want to use this word because it's going to be really loaded, but there was a lot of segregation between white and black mm. music in that particular moment, except for when it came to pop. And then pop, we had a lot more like crossover, but when you were starting to get into like other genres or like hybrid genres like that, there was a lot of like, this is black music, this is white people music, and like never the twain shall meet.
0: Do you, Tessa, and then I'll come to you, Jarrett, do you want to talk about some of the things that you have written down that are not on this list that should be?
2: Oh, me? Yeah. Yes, you. Uh, uh, most of the stuff I have is stuff that should be higher on the list, but some of the things that aren't on the list at all. I noticed that Janelle Monae's Arch Android is on this list. I can't remember the exact number. It's very high. Yeah, but it's it's in the top 100, but it's not close to the the top 25. I don't like Arch Android as much as I like Electric Lady or Dirty Computer, which I I think both of those are better albums. And I'll probably talk about both of those when I talk about Radiohead later, because I think it's interesting to juxtapose what Genome A is doing with Radiohead. But I think either one of those, but especially Dirty Computer, could be in the top 25. Uh, Queen of the Clouds. I know that you're probably going to talk about Queen of the Clouds a little bit by Tove Lo. That's Tove Lo's first album. I think that should be higher up or in this list at all. Jenny Lewis's Acid Tongue. There's no Jenny Lewis on this list, and Acid Tongue is such a great album. I feel like that should be higher on the list. The self-titled Boy Genius album should be on the list. I, I'm not sure why you highlighted this, uh, Jarrett, so I'd be interested to know. You, ha- I put, when we all fall asleep, where do we go? And then you highlighted it. Do you also think that should be on the list yeah, or are you I'm disagreeing just, with I'm, me? <laughs>
1: until you put that up, I just... Uh- just assumed it was on the list. So I didn't even check that really (laughs) confuses me as to how that's not on there. And I don't, I mean, I know this list is like a few, is a, a few months old at this point and thus the voting is even older, but like, that's still like that to me, that is even more of a reason for her to be high on this list.
2: Yeah. And I feel like that also says something again about the age yeah. demographics of this. I feel sure. like if this was, if more people below the age of 18, I'm not even going to gender it. I just think more people below the age of 18 had been voting on this, that album would have probably been closer to the top.
0: Well, it also, by the way, it tells you something too when somebody like Dave Grohl says that billy eilish is the future of rock music and then you're like well he's not on this list either so right. <laughs> okay
2: yeah cool and then the other one that i have on here which is lesser known but I, I think it's such a huge album for me and i think for a lot of other people especially indie pop people meg meyer's sorry which i is an amazing album and i think it should be on this list
0: uh, yeah, whether or not it should be on the list, which I would agree with you. Uh, anybody who's listening, if you haven't heard that, you should like put that at the top of the stack. You're gonna listen to. Yeah,
2: it's such a. Good after album. all
0: the, you can put all the ones we've talked about today that you haven't heard underneath that. I think that's a really good one. That, to listen that to. includes uh, me, and, and by the way.
2: I don't.
1: I don't think I even oh. recognize that name.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's got a. Um, that's the first one, right? Not the second one.
2: It's her first. It's not
0: take me to the, take me to the disco. You're talking no, about the first one. No, she has an one. album
2: before Sorry. Well, right, her but it's the album.
0: one that's got the Tim Buckley talking yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's it's very very good, and I, I almost forgot I knew to mention get that because in the notes I was like, I just realized that all of these people are women, but also the other person. That's all the men not, are on the list. Uh, well, that's not true. <laughs> Three one of or the four men or that I think times. should be on the list. Yeah,
0: <laughs> or seven if you're Kanye. Uh, but yeah. Watch the Throne not on the list. Weird.
2: One of the one of the men that I think should be on the list is The Weeknd, especially Beauty and the Madness, which is and That's not
1: so he's formative not on pop it album. At all? No. No. Okay. That's not after one that hours, I just just, I didn't not, even check. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's
2: <laughs> I know it feels like he should be. And maybe but he's I wonder not. if that's like, why so. two or three or I four times. if
1: like among whatever people because I really be interested to see like people strategy like are you just like this is my favorite yeah. artist i'm just going to vote for all their albums does that yeah. is it that kind of like preferential ballot type but thing you, that you guys talked about on your oscar episodes yeah. that that caused some people to fall off the list because yeah they were a lot of, not a lot of like a lot of people's 11th choice or whatever or like people voted for the weekend but all for a different album there's this weird thing on here yeah. like So, Bright Eyes, a long time ago, released (laughs) two albums on the same day and they're combined on this list. It's not a double album. Why are they combined? So, like, the weekend, there's that, um, that basically it's like a compilation of all his EPs and stuff. Like, right. Did they, did that, was that disqualified when people voted for it? Like, I don't know. Yeah. But,
2: yeah, even, taking that out of it though beauty and the madness and starboy i was surprised to not see either one of those yeah. on here
0: well and after hours would be my yeah. pick i yeah. wouldn't even pick we talked about
1: that
2: trilogy um,
0: <clears> and after
1: <throat> hours are my two for him
0: all right so Jarrett, you put a very long list of things <laughs>
1: give me any give me one second to address this this cat situation i'll be right oh. <laughs> <laughs> the cat that,
2: situation that cat would situation. be the cat situation album yes. name, actually that Usually cat is in a asleep. new place. Yeah.
0: And is clearly unhappy.
2: He needs some comfort.
0: He's going to let you know that you made a powerful enemy. So, the weekend is missing, you have quite a long list of things that are missing in the notes. Walk us through. I learned a lot about what you like to listen to from this list of things not
1: on yeah, the list. Yeah, and I was trying to be objective like I realized this is the exact opposite of that kind of list. Like I assume everybody who entered this poll was being subjective but i was trying to think about it objectively again like kind of what you said at the beginning of think about more of something to build a list from rather than a, a list itself but more like a just a collection of suggestions for starting this kind of list and one thing that stood out to me that we haven't talked about yet is the lack of any kind of heavy music with a couple of exceptions oh. Deaf Heavens on here. I don't actually like them, but I know a lot of people do, but that's another band where the vocals just don't work for me. Um, and I, and heavy music is that way in general, like there's such a range of vocal styles in heavier music that I feel like the taste is even more niche. But again, trying to think objectively, I put together a list of, I don't know, this is 15 or so things that could have been on this list. A couple that really, again, really surprised me. Uh, the shape of punk to come by refused at the drive-ins relationship of command really surprised me that, that those two aren't on here. Fans of at the drive-in, maybe they voted for a Mars Volta album or something like that instead. But, um, System of a Down, that's another one where what album do you pick? I suggested Mesmerize, um, Converge, You Fail Me. Again, that's one where I think a lot of fans of that band would disagree on what their best album is. This is a band that's like, has, they, they no longer exist, but their past discography, I feel like, is ruined because the name of the band is Isis. Um... My suggestion here was Oceanic, Crimes by Blood Brothers, uh, the more extreme version of some of that kind of scene kid stuff we were talking about a couple minutes ago, Um, Baroness, Golden Grey, Boris, Heavy Rocks, Health, Death Magic, Um, there's a lot of good Liars albums. I'm surprised they're not on here. My recommendation is Drums Not Dead, but that's one of their more experimental ones, so... Have a Nice Life, The Unnatural World, Brutus. The band is named Brutus. The album is named Nest. Draconian, Under a Godless Veil, Lethian Dreams, Red Silence Lodge. Um, I'm going band album here. (laughs) I know a lot of these just sound like made-up stuff to a lot of people probably. Divide and Dissolve. The album is Gaslit. uh, Big Brave. The album I have for them is A Gaze Among Them. And then I think the way you say this band's name is Noct Mystium. and this is the album. This whole thing is the album title: Addicts: Colon Black Metal M E D D L E Part Two. Um, and yes, that is a Pink Floyd reference. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is- Metal's a great
1: album. It is a good album. Yes, and that's that album is kind of like in that style, but like. What if Pink Floyd were a black metal band? (laughs) By
0: the way, I saw Liars open for Radiohead.
1: Yeah, I think some of my friends saw them on that tour too. I've seen Liars like on a headlining show, but I did not see... I've only seen Radiohead once, and it was... um, They were fine. I mean, they were good. Yeah, I like Liars a lot. I think they're one of those bands that like... They're not consistent enough, and they've just never quite crossed over because they're su- they're they're pretty consistently weird. Is <laughs> the one way that they like <laughs> like their first album is like Gang of Four basically, and then their immediate follow up is like more like, mm, suicide, but with less synths. I don't know like what to co- compare it to even. But they're they're pretty experimental, like genre defying group. And they've also had a lot of lineup turnover and, and stuff like that. I also had a list of just <laughs> people that we haven't mentioned that I thought should be on the list. I don't know if you want me. To, there's, some, there's some good mentions. I don't know on if you want to single out yeah. people or if you just want me to go through it or what. Well,
0: I can say just without going through a lot of things, not going through the whole list, I could tell you immediately I see... Uh, I see Lil Wayne and Pusha T, both of whom are on this list by virtue of being on a Kanye West <laughs> yeah, album, <sure. laughs> but not in their right. own right. There's which, a little bit of that. Well, around, I mean, yeah, I, yeah um, the Mountain Goats, whom I will be have listening to for the first time rolling. soon.
1: Yeah. Mountain Goats, uh, I think, is T-Gray. another band that probably got votes, but yeah. probably for like which album there are people voting for. I don't I wouldn't even know. I'm sure uh, Andy, Andy would well, they have, have, have an so opinion
0: have so much there. work,
2: too. Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Right. Like well, Nigel is making me listen to them, yeah, yeah. so we'll yeah, see.
2: But the mountain goats are like extremely prolific, yes, yes. right? And so that might also be I the so. issue. Well,
0: now people who aren't extremely prolific <laughs> in that i mean, who is compared to right. mountain goats? But you have, um, well, I don't know if if uh, if if Chan is exactly pop or not, but you have uh, Peaches, the Tigre, and Cat Power on here, all of whom are. Yeah.
2: I wasn't expecting Jose Gonzalez on here, but now that I'm seeing his name here, I think that is a really good mention. I feel like Yeah, and I'm he's underrated. I, I'm a guitarist,
1: so like this is a guitar style heavy list, um or like, you know, people doing interesting sounds with other things, but like there's several things that are on this list because like you know, their S-level, superior-level guitar tones and use of the guitar. And, like, Jose Gonzalez is one of those people, like, nobody plays guitar the way he does. Mm -hmm. I think, actually, like, maybe I can sort of start transitioning us in that way. I think if you compare a Jose Gonzalez album to the specific Sufjan Stevens album that I had not listened to, there's just so much more interesting guitar playing in production on Jose Gonzalez's albums to me.
0: There are two Sufjan albums very high on this list. One of which is the one that brought him in as much as he's a household name. It's what got him there. It's Illinois. And then a little bit lower on the list is the album that met the most critical acclaim that, that really was a much more personal album, Carrie and Lowell. Which one are you talking about?
1: I mean, I think knowing that I'm in my 40s it makes that answer more clear. Um, yeah, Um But I, I've been listening to Sufjan since probably right before Michigan came out. I like the album Seven, Seven, Seven Swans, but then... um yeah, Illinois was a big one for me, too. And and after that, to me, like, there's diminishing returns as far as... Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of that's more indicative of the shift in my taste and things like that, but I, I do feel there's a change in, in a lot of his uh, production techniques and stuff like that um, that I feel like happens over that period, too, Um and I feel like this album, the uh, is it Carrie and Lowell, um, yes. yes, it just sounds a lot different than those three albums. Again, Michigan, Seven Swans, and Illinois. To me, it feels less intimate. The guitar is, I would say, very compressed, and his vocals mm-hmm. are eq'd in a different way. There's just like less reverb and stuff. And I don't mean like necessarily artificially adding reverb, but it just feels more like it was recorded in a very well acoustically isolated studio. And I don't know anything about the production on any of these albums, but I do know, for example, like, you know, Illinois, there's a variety of instrumentation, whereas Carrie and Lowell is like, it's like his Nebraska or something, but... Oh yeah! I, oh yeah! That's a really I good like, <laughs> I comparison. Like, um, you know, Springsteen's vocals on Nebraska way more.
0: I know that the two things that Carrie and Lowell have going for it are uh, "Should've Known Better" yes. is the song that folks
1: are gonna yeah. know. I assume that's been on a soundtrack for something, or it's been on a couple of different TV yeah. shows.
2: Sufjan Stevens feels like a very soundtrackable odd well especially
0: on Carrie and Lowell because uh, we one of the last times we road tripped anywhere <laughs> I remember listening to pop culture happy hour and they were talking about this um this is an album about loss and and aging you know he's thinking about his mom and you know so it's very personal in that respect whereas Illinois and and Michigan I. I've heard that one once or twice to me. And this might sound awful to you, Jarrett, but to me in my mind, and I'm not using gimmicky in a bad way. Like I could do that, but that's not what I'm doing here. I feel like this, you know, like I'm going to write an album about all 50 States, which you didn't, by the way, it's very gimmicky. It's, it's done well, but if I'm gonna to listen to gimmicky music from around this time, I'm gonna to listen to Castaways and Cutouts by the Decemberists. Also, also you know, good. I'd, I like my gimmick, I like my gimmicky in the form of sea shanties,
1: mm.
0: <laughs> which, which by the way, Castaways and Cutouts should absolutely be on this list. If not, the Crane Wife. Mm-hmm. To to put in another one there, but I, I think that's interesting. I was I was actually expecting it the other way around. I, sorry, no pun intended. Should have known better. <laughs>
1: considering but
0: is illinois okay on the list is it in the right spot
1: i mean right spot i don't know even how to to judge that but yeah it's
0: everything in its right place up here (laughs) is
1: that a kid a reference yes it Um, is
0: (laughs) let's all go to the idiotech the national i mean i
1: do think any kind of like list like this is gonna have um, Illinois pretty high at least from my point of view so yeah it's I don't I don't have any problems with it. it it's interesting what you were saying about how you interpret the difference between those two albums and definitely Illinois compared to Michigan is more like okay you're trying to write songs about things relevant to Illinois but I yeah. feel like I don't know why I began this sentence that way For me, (laughs) he works better when he's using really specific metaphors like Mm -hmm. that. He's one of those artists where I think that that cliche of, you know, in this in the specific you find the general, like when you write a song that's ostensibly about Superman, but you make it you write it with your point of view and with your voice, it becomes something that is much more general. So, and I, I'm bad at song titles. So that song on Illinois is to me like a really emotionally powerful one, even though like you could look Mm -hmm. at it. Oh, that's this song about Superman because there's a Superman monument in Illinois because there's a city named Metropolis and they've claimed that like, but to me like there's a lot more going on there lyrically and like I said I it's also just a thing of I like when he's doing you know band arrangements and different kinds of instrumentation and like there's a song with that's banjo on that album for example like I I prefer that kind of multi-instrumentation and and dynamics from song to song and stuff like that
0: so, Tessa, I'm going to ask you this question. But after I ask you this question, Jared, it's going to be the same question. So okay. get ready. Tessa, speaking of everything in its right place, given that this list is what it is, what albums in the top 25 you were like, okay, right, that is where it belongs. Good job.
2: I mean, Jared or mentioned...
0: past the top 25 if you need to. But
2: Oh, I mean, I think there are a lot of albums that are lower on this list than I would... But well, what's in
0: the right spot? But
2: what's in the right spot? Jarrett mentioned that I put in the notes that I think Melodrama is in the right spot. In fact, before I looked at this list again, I was like, Melodrama had better be in the top 25. So I'm glad that it was and it there. And uh, But also to Pimp a Butterfly, which you're going to talk about here in a minute. I think that is also should be in the top 25. In fact, I was kind of surprised that Damn wasn't in the top 25 if we're going to be doing multiple albums per artist. But definitely to Pimp a Butterfly.
0: Well, I mean Radiohead had three albums, so why couldn't Kendrick Lamar yeah,
2: yeah right <laughs> uh,
0: I've never listened to I've never listened to a entire Kendrick Lamar album prior to this assignment so it truly is a monkey, right like the idea of checking items off of our pop culture backlog is something that I had entirely meant to do but had not so I listened to 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 pimp a Butterfly. That seemed like, to me, the place to go to start, not just because it was the, the top Kendrick Lamar on the list, but because it was the one that I had always wanted to listen to. I didn't know that All Right is the one that it's on that album. And I was like, oh, OK, so the song I know the best is actually on this album. It's not the best song on the album. In fact, I don't know that I could tell you what song is the best song on To Pimp a Butterfly because it is just a solid and it keeps going. It's almost 70 minutes long. And at some point, I'm like, you already like he has, you know, vocal interludes. And well, okay, I'll back up and say the thing about Kendrick Lamar, about listening to him is sometimes he's rapping. Sometimes he's reciting poetry and sometimes he's talking And if you can identify each of the three, good for you. Because it's so seamless. But there are some themes, some things that I think are more poetic than they are uh, lyrics or, you know, uh, just dialogue, which he does dialogue with other voices while he's reciting. But like I said, it all blends together. There's some repetition. And he does such a really good job. Of using that repetition to link these tracks together, I mean he's better at it than Kanye is. I mm-hmm. will say that much for sure, as good as Kanye West is, I think there's definitely a a dividing line in Kanye West's career that is after it's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and jesus uh yeah yeezus I think there's a dividing line there, so everything that came before it is what I mean when I talk about Kanye West more than what came after. I think Kendrick Lamar's just firing at a different, firing at more cylinders than than Kanye West, and that's not something I would have said before I listened to to "Pimp a Butterfly." But i i was
1: I was impressed. Damn. <laughs> well, I mean, Kanye is a producer who raps yes. pretty decently. Kendrick Lamar is a rapper, like he's you know he's in that that the Dre family you know he
0: that's a really good distinction yeah that's and that's interesting too because i think what you said comes into really good relief when you think about history has really come around on 808s and Mm heartbreak yes i think that album should be in the top 25 (laughs) well right like that like okay so i told you i think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy belongs where it belongs If you swapped Yeezus and 808s and Heartbreak, this would be a better list. Just that one substitution alone, because I just, I am very, very impressed with, first of all, just referring to 808s, which is a very specific, you know, pop music move. Um, you know, it's the, it's it and Kanye West and Kesha have been the best, uh, the best proselytizers of the 808 Mm. (laughs) sound um but what you said about him being a producer really comes up in those two albums Mm -hmm. uh in a good way you talk about life of pablo which is probably on version 2700
1: at this point feels like it should be disqualified from this list honestly wolves is a great track stop touching it
2: like george that's, lucas in the star wars movie yeah
0: it's kind of like that except with streaming he can't come into your house and take it away anyway kendrick lamar is awesome <laughs> I, I love Kendrick. <laughs> lamar. i was blown away i also
2: find him to be like one of the most listenable yes. rap artists too like i mean a lot of times when i listen to to albums like this i have to actually sit down and like like really listen to it but i can just put on kendrick lamar he's
0: he made an yeah. album
2: yeah he did He really did. And that's the thing. I feel like his albums are albums. Like we haven't really defined what we think makes a good album in this podcast. We probably don't have time to get into that conversation, but I think that there is a difference between an album that is a collection of good songs and an album that is, I don't want to use the word concept album, although there's certainly a lot of good ones on here on this list, but like it's a complete entity. It's a complete text in and of itself.
0: Well, I think at, I'll come back to you for this, Jarrett. Although I think you kind of weighed in on this earlier a bit, talking about the difference between Channel Orange and uh, Blonde. I think that was maybe a way of thinking about how we think about albums here. So a two-part question that is really two people in a trench coat. Uh, Part one, to Tessa's point, would you like to say anything about the album form and part 2 speaking of albums which ones are in which ones are in any sense of the word correctly uh formatted so that's it i'll give you the last word by way of a two-parter that's not really a two-parter well i
1: i, I don't have a lot of, more to add about like what i think makes a good album other than as you were describing to pimp a butterfly I thought a lot of these same things could be used to describe the Carter Three. Uh, we've already mentioned that Lil Wayne is, yep. uh, other than features, is not on this list. See you in my nightmares it is on 808s and Heartbreak. By the way, yeah, yeah, he he gets uh, he's got a few fe- features, um, which I also think it's it's not funny. It's probably appropriate. Like Andre 3000 is on like more albums on this list. Other than the Outcast albums than, than he is on the Outcast album. And that's just because it's like one thing I think we kind of debated in the notes that we didn't get to was you know, an album artist versus a singles artist. And it's funny to yeah. put that in the context of like Frank Ocean over a decade has two official albums. Outcast over this time frame has three, maybe four official albums. Um, And partially that's just them just being inactive, but it's also like there are different ways to define what makes a band an album artist, and I feel like now it's even more complicated because album rollouts tend to be the populating of a playlist nowadays. Like here's this one track two weeks later, we're going to add a track to that, and you'll listen to those two songs over and over and then so on, um, that it's like, yes, what is an album now is even more complicated than it used to be. We've talked about.
2: Billie Eilish especially is like the queen of doing I that. mean, it's. With her.
1: Everybody yeah. does it. And it's from the top to, you know, independent artists that have 500 followers. Like everybody does that. Now there are exceptions, but we've. Again, for me, as a, like, sometimes professional, more often amateur music critic, to have, like, the same band appear multiple times on a list, let alone, like, that close together is stupid, like, and, like, just shows how (laughs) thoughtless. But I understand this list was created in a different way, and I think it's an interesting experiment. So there's three Radiohead albums here in the top five. I know you guys are going to talk about them on part two, but um, just because I'm a a white guy and a middle-aged white guy, I have to have a Radiohead opinion. (laughs) Um, To me, In Rainbows is the one that's in the right place. Um, Kid A Mm. is a great album, and it's very important to me in a lot of the same way. Maybe I guess on the other side of what you were talking about earlier, Sam. Yeah, I do think of it more as like a cultural moment than an album. Whereas in Rainbows, I feel like is actually peak uh, at making an album. And I actually think King of Limbs from a musical theory and like you know actually analyzing music is probably their most interesting because. They're using a lot of polyrhythms and like you know playing songs where the melody and the rhythm and the the beat are like different time signatures and stuff like that. Um, but to me, in Rainbows is the like just the best like li- listen to an album. But that's just my you know biased opinion, personal opinion on Radiohead. Um, I mean, I think uh, for Arcade Fire again, who's on this list too much, I do think Funeral should be high you know i again like the specific numbers i don't know you know mad villainy does belong in the top 25 i think it should be higher i get why it's not but again especially if you clear out some of this like doubling and tripling up that would it would automatically move up higher and you said last word are we wrapping up because there's one thing i have to say Yep. yep go ahead disrespect to the queen the greatest of my lifetime and probably anyone's lifetime bjork is not in the top 25 and only has two Ah, albums ah, on ah, this ah, list ah, i'm sorry all of you are wrong (laughs) all you men are wrong because if you sort this list by women bjork is way higher
2: there's a lot of is, More Bjork on the. Because, yeah, like the cool part about the demographics is that we get the, like, what women voted for versus what men women, voted for. Women versus and non binary people,
1: which I wish there was a way to just look at it of, like, what did not men like? Just can we just filter out yeah. all men uh, that's, <laughs> or all that's, people that's identifying funny. as men? It's.
2: But Taylor Swift, uh, who I think we're going to talk a lot about with Lizzie, Lossie because Lizzie's mentioned her a few times. But Taylor Swift and Bjork were both much higher and much more frequent on the. I have mixed feelings about you list. putting
1: them in the same sentence, but <laughs> is okay. Okay. You get you know
2: what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're right. both they're I, both I, artists who have been, although gendered as belonging to a certain group. Well, of and
1: they're also both people who like began. Being popular musicians at a crazy young age, too, yeah. like in whose entire lives have revolved around making music and having both having kind of a a um uh complex relationship with the media. <laughs> Probably more, more so Bjork for that. But sorry, I'm pronouncing incorrectly. I did that for years, and I always fail to correct myself. It's pronounced Bjork.
0: That's all right. To mispronounce her name is Human Behavior,
1: but... <laughs> that album's but, not on the list, so you can't see
0: But all is full of love when you're talking about her. All right, that one's on her, there, so that's so. good.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I would have at least one more album by her on my list, and yeah. and by that way I would also would be a stealth way to get Arca on the list, because mm-hmm. she, I, I'm sorry... I don't know if she's the right pronoun for I think she arca goes as she is her pronoun, but I, I could be wrong there.
0: Well, I think that was a good thing to end on. All right. Jarrett, where can people find you online to, if they want to, talk more about these? If musical they takes inexplicably with you? want
1: to hear from me more, um I'm Gur Noise <laughs> on social media. That's G R R Noise. And then my podcast that I co-host with Also, past guest Melissa is Wild Pretty Things. Normally, we talk about movies, not music. So, don't worry if you've had enough of my thoughts on that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us
1: today. Thanks for having me.
0: Unless this is your first time listening to a Monkey Off My Backlog podcast, you're thinking, Sam, why did you ever think that you could record two different conversations and put them in one episode? Don't you remember the James Bond episodes, the Oscar episodes? Well, yes, I do. So that's why you're not surprised. There is a part two, unlike other parts two, three, four, and five. Part two is available today. So make sure you listen to part two, which is our conversation with Lazi. You can find me at Sam underscore Morris nine and Tessa at Suela Tessa on Twitter. Send us your thoughts about our conversation, about the pitchfork list and the music on it and the music not on it that we talked about today, what pop culture you've crossed off your list lately, what you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes, or anything else that comes to mind. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at monkeybacklog, email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Make sure you listen to part two and get that monkey off your back.